0: Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show.
1: Great success stories are often driven by passion and resilience. While for some people, success might be defined by numbers. But the fulfillment of success comes from an environment of collaborative work culture. On this occasion of Friendships Day, we bring to you two individuals who started off with a great friendship before an exceptional company, Rohit Raj and Varun Dugirala, co-founders of The Glitch. Their professional journey is definitely one of a kind, setting unique friendship goals for everyone out there. With their passion for creating a zealous work environment and their adoration for creating intriguing content they've indeed made a mark in the world of advertising and marketing without any delay on our journey of discovering designering let's get into conversation with them and cherish the phenomenal feeling of friendship happy friendship's day to all of you hi rohit hi varun welcome to avantika designering series thank you so much for joining us on our friendships day special episode with both of you thanks, thanks for having us
2: thanks for
3: having Great.
1: Us. so um, two folks met at a college uh start you know did their education together work together also for a certain stint and uh now leading a company uh, together started a company together and leading it so so what's uh, uh you know how's how's that story been
2: um do you remember when and how you met rohit i'm going to let you take this one to just kick off cuz i think we have we have similar stories but i think we'll have varying versions of this
3: story so i'll let you start that off yeah i mean right like you rightly said right we met in college we met at simbi where we both applied and got into the postgraduate in Marscom. now the the funny part is that we both started off in two different streams so i started In advertising, and Varun started in PR. So the first year, I think it's common for all. So we are all in the second batch, and uh, I mean literally the word "last benchers" is how you take it, right? So we were both last benchers, except that we were last benchers in two extreme corners. I was the last bencher on the left corner. Varun's the last bencher on the right corner. For six whole months of our college, we never actually exchanged. Uh, much of conversation. I, I don't think we even, uh, greeted each other because we had our own set of people who we used to hang with. So the actual meeting literally must have happened six months in because we had this college program where we had a, had to go to different cities to do this. Varun was going to Bangalore. I was going to Madras and we were doing a road trip and Varun happened to be in that, in the same car. So we were sharing space together and that's where we started talking for the first time actually. And we hit it off from there and then, yeah, the rest is history. So, it's one road trip six months after college, according to me.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I think just to add to this, right, what was interesting during that entire period was the fact that um, I also, like, both of us ended up in, um, in, in in audiovisual production for very different reasons as well. Uh, um, I think Rohit had actually joined, uh, I think, in advertising uh, primarily because he wanted to make ad films at so that point of the time. And, uh, we, we, and, and we made the switch. I joined PR thinking that, and I honestly don't think I had any thought process. I had just worked as a promoter before that. So I just went and did that. But this seemed like more fun. So, uh, so that's how we both ended up in the same stream. But I think what has also been fun through this whole process is that uh, I think in us, towards the end of our, I would say, first year when we went for our internships as well, uh, we ended up crashing in a friend's apartment in 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 Bombay, and I, and I think that point of time because we were living in the same place, going for internships. So I think that's when we really, um, I think work uh, kind of brings people together on that side as well, because you find uh, space in which you can actually jam on together, kind of uh, and things like that. So I think that was also one core thing in the initial days.
1: Great. So so Varun, my question to you is: Had you ever imagined in the college days that? both of you would start a company together. Was it something that you had envisioned or uh, was it accidental in nature?
2: I think if you had asked us, if you asked me at least six months before we actually started the company, I would have said that's not something which I would even like think of doing. So I think college was way before that. Um, I think I, in college, especially for me, I wasn't really sure about what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew that I wanted to work in certain places, that I wanted to work in an MTV. I wanted to work in... In, in possibly a channel and those are pretty much my only focus area saying I want to work for these places because I genuinely enjoyed what they created um but yeah if you, if you ask me then I would have just said ki that is not even like I, I, I don't think that's even scope of uh, thought
1: interesting and Rohit what's your take on it uh did you ever imagine that you would start up uh, a big
3: business with uh, Varun so uh, like exactly what I was saying so because uh, I don't think the kind of focus that the generation today has, we clearly didn't have, right? So I joined in advertising. I moved from advertising to filmmaking in six months saying that this is what I want to do. When we came out, it was... And to be very honest, the pure reason I went to Simbi also was because I saw a CD, it said, which had an interview of some Simbi grad who was working in Channel V. And I was like, that's my dream job. I want to work at Channel V. That's where we entered. So I, I don't know if all of this was in the back of our mind. Entrepreneurship has always been... Exciting for me because I've I've done this before and I was like I would have wanted to start something on my own but what etc was not in the picture and even for example even glitch I remember the day how it happened was so organic it was like I had decided to move on from Channel V and I quit and I was telling Varun that I've put in my papers and he turned to me and said so what's the plan I said I don't know maybe I want to start something on my own five minutes later Varun's also quit and he's like I was just quit I said what let's do something together and that's. That's it that's as organic as how this happened to be, right? So it's not like we sat there and said, Okay, we should start something together and we'll build it. But we both had our strengths and we both kind of knew that when the time happened, it just happened. That's what it is.
2: And if I just have to add to that, we honestly didn't think about what we would do together for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we we spent I think more time thinking about the name of uh than we actually thought about what we would actually do. But in hindsight, I guess that, that time was well spent.
1: So so that was my next question. In fact, from starting a video production agency that created uh, interactive content for Channel V uh, and Bindas to to what glitches now. So how did you keep pivoting the idea? How, how did the company actually evolve into what it is today? So
3: when we started, I think, to be very honest, what we did is we, we played to our strengths, right? So we took what uh, we found a market gap and we played and we saw if there was a strength that we could apply there and we brought that onto the table so when we were in channel V, one thing that channel V taught us is to be frugal right to great great create great content through frugality and being as agile as we can so we were doing all of that in channel V and then suddenly we when they decided to park that kind of content away because all the audience that was consuming this has moved to digital is when we decided to start on our own and said, hey, if everybody's on digital, why aren't we there? Why aren't we making content there? And that's when we made that pivot to becoming a production agency because that that's what came naturally to us. As we became a production agency and we started working, we, we were not the production house which somebody would come to us with an idea and would execute. We became the ones who would come up with the idea in itself, right? So... The more brands we spoke to were looking at us and saying that, hey, this is great. Why don't you do, aren't you guys also an agency? Like the question was, we, one thing we learned is never to say no. So when somebody asked us any question, can you do this? We just said yes. We'd come back and say we'll figure it out. And that's what it was in the long run. So every large pivots happened that way. We became an agency because Unilever decided that they wanted an agency. And they said that, hey, aren't you, are you an agency? And we said, yeah, we are an agency. What do you want us to do? Because end of the day we know that between us we had strengths of understanding a brand or building a brand per se uh, because that's what we could do uh, we knew how to make content and two things that would have really worked in the industry right now is that and that's where the marriage happened i think
2: i think just to add to that right is, is that the, the opportunities also i think we were we were part lucky as well is the fact that because we um kind of as as in the initial days and we kind of came out of of channel we 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 turned to whom we knew right and we knew people from the television side and we did work with them and luckily for us at that point uh the television networks were the ones who were experimenting with the kind of stuff we wanted to do um so we did a bunch of that um and our first uh, one of our first brand engagements happened through a collaboration between a tv channel and um a, a, and a brand and, and so that's how we kind of scaled that up and 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 one part was was not saying no, like Rohit was saying. I think the other part was also the fact that uh, because we were we were reason we were quite nimble in terms of okay, let's figure this out quickly, and we're able to deliver that, and constantly also go and we 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 were always in enthu, uh, we were, we were always called enthu Let's you in college, right? And the point was that because we were always enthu to do a lot of things. For everybody we worked with, it was that enthusiasm, I think that kind of rubbed off as well for them is the fact that they saw that, okay, these guys really seem excited to do this. So let's just give it to them. Uh, And I think that really helped us many times.
1: So in fact, the question that Varun, um, I was going to ask you is that uh, I have successfully failed twice at my entrepreneurial journey. And while you started off glitch, any entrepreneurial uh, failures that you came across in, in your journey? Oh, it's
2: so many of them, right? If both of us sit down and start putting down all the stuff that we feel has failed over the last 10 odd years, there'll be a long list over there. I think, uh, and, and the thing is that at every point, you will, you will constantly have crises and points when you have either failed, um, you know, something that you wanted to set up as, uh, as a service or something you want to set up with, with a specific team or with a client or on a project. We've had so many of those. I think what we've always, um, i mean if, if i go back to when we started off when we started off we were like okay what's the worst that can happen right and we and we always look at okay what is the worst that can happen with this project or or with this going down and we look at the uh lowest case scenario there and we always work to make sure that a couple of things are safeguarded right? we should not seem like uh we are unprofessional we should not seem like we can't recover from this and still be able to make sure people are fine uh, in our teams etc so that's generally been our thing i mean uh, it's been i think across Everything from having cash flow issues at some point of time to large scale projects going sideways. Um, we actually even had a, a specialty division we had once built out, which we had to shut down because it wasn't working out. So we've, we've done all of that across this period. So it's, we just look at it as a learning curve, right? You can always learn from a mistake and, 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 and move
3: ahead. No, that's also the ethos of what we are in. Uh, what what Varun was saying is exactly the ethos that we're in right because in India for some strange reason failure is looked at as a negative thing uh, we, we've been people personally who celebrated mistakes and if you look at and we have this whole ethos where we talk about our own company and glitch the name it stands for a mistake and the whole point is go ahead and make mistakes because when you make new things is when you make mistakes right uh, so if you're not making mistakes which means you're not trying something new so go ahead, try something new, make mistakes, learn from it. As long as you learn from it, you this So to, yeah, Varun and I have never worked in advertising in our lives. Like in, in an advertising agency. So we never knew what to structure an agency like. So when we started Glitch and when Glitch became an agency, we didn't know how to do this thing. So we have we made mistakes in the way we structured it. Maybe we have. But we've learned on the in the process. At some point today, we look at it and say that hey, we modeled a whole new side to the agency or how agencies are supposed to function. But that's not something we learned. We, we tried it out and it's functioned on that front. So I think mistakes are great. I keep saying this all the time. So, so while
1: you keep talking about mistakes, one of the uh, interesting uh, offshoots of this is that, you know, as friends, uh, there's a different dynamics between both of you. And I'm sure that as business partners, there's going to be a different uh, dynamics. So, so while uh, there are these mistakes, issues, challenges, uh, how do you bridge uh, the gap between both, uh, you know, both both these dynamics? And uh, in fact, the first question is, Do these dynamics collide at all? And
3: and if they do, how do you manage them? When you uh, when you say in terms of dynamics, we both, I think uh, it's if I had to explain it in Venn diagrams, Varun <laughs> and I, I mean, I love Venn diagrams. Okay, I keep saying this So Varun and I are two circles in that piece. And there is a large intersection, right? So there is there is that intersection where we both have come together for a vision, but that we also have our individual strengths on it. The the when you ask about dynamics of friendship and this, it is I think one key thing that comes between the two of us is trust. Like I will, I don't think I can tr- I trust anybody else more in this world than I can trust for Right. So if, if I at the end of the day we may both have. A difference of opinion on how to do something but we both put our points of view and then you trust each other to say that okay i'll let you run with this or you let me run with this etc we take it on that front so it, the good thing for us is that we both have our strengths uh, which which form the other side of the venn diagram and we have that intersection point where we come to an agreement in so you ask me on dynamics it's the friendship is one side of it but there's what what friendship gave us is a lot of trust, and that's that is the most important part there.
2: Yeah, and, and that's what's actually been able to keep. Uh, I, I would say it's 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 actually been both together. Right, if, if there's the friendship and there's the company, and th- that it's been the conjunction of both that's really strengthened us as friends. And 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 the good part is that. And and many people say, okay, if if two people are are co-founders, then how do you kind of manage dynamics? Because I don't think either of us, and and, and that's also been a good thing, right? Both of us have very different focus areas of what we enjoy doing as well um, in the business itself. And the overlap parts are parts where we are very happy to fight it out with each other. I think conflict on that part is very good. Because we like to argue on things and we'll come to a resolution, but we'll never sleep on an argument in that sense, right? We will, we've always had this thing that our friendship kind of comes first and everything else with the company kind of comes second. And, and that's actually been one of the core uh, pieces there is that no matter how and what it might become, um, you need to be able to resolve it before you kind of head out. And if you don't resolve it, it just becomes some of those underlying things which you've never liked to have, uh, as part of this. But I think what also added on for us was the fact that Trust is the most important thing that I just mentioned. I think trust is foremost up there. But I think it's also the fact that we genuinely have fun doing this together. Um, And as long as it is fun doing this together, um, that makes everything else kind of gel in as well. I think that that has been a very strong aspect of it as well. So, you know, while
1: you manage a a big uh, business, there are certain complexities that come along with that. Uh, You have to manage different teams and, uh, you know, uh, both these teams would also uh, at times have different point of view in terms of uh, how do you uh, take things forward. The the question that I wish to ask both of you is, uh, what does collaboration at Glitch look like? So so how do these different teams come together and work
2: together? I, I would would love to hear thoughts from both of you. How we look at collaboration is the fact that there's no like actual formal structure to collaboration, right? but the we work in a business where you need to have various people working together to do it so we've always been very clear that you know you any person will only be successful um at glitch if they they learn how to make the people they work with successful as well right that's the only way it's going to work it's it's not a one it's not a it's not a solo job it, it is a it, it is a group activity in that sense um and that's what we've always believed and always said Um, and, and that's something we, and and we've let it also be slightly more organic than saying, okay, this is how you will collaborate. Or this is like a, a, a straightforward structure for that to happen. Um, and that's why the word culture is tricky, right? When you say culture, it's not like something you write on a wall or leave it there. Every new person who joins the company adds to that culture and helps it evolve you will have certain things that you want to almost put as sacrosanct saying you know we will not do this or we will not do that or we should not behave like this um and 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 stuff like that but i think at general we just let it evolve that way and and we've let people themselves learn how to be more collaborative with each other. Right? When we see something going a certain way, uh, it's important for anybody who is in leadership kind of intervene and make sure that it it doesn't become a dead and it becomes a point of bringing people together to come to do better work. And that's really how we look at collaboration.
3: Yeah, I, I was just saying that there was this one quote that I read somewhere which kind of works really well here, which is "Come to work with your sleeves rolled up," right? So and and that's that's what. We, we kind of, uh, prophesize here saying that come to work with your sleeves rolled up because it, get ready to get your hands dirty. It doesn't matter where, which, what position you are in, what department you are in, what, whatever it takes to get this ship going, right? We need to be there on it. So you can't, don't, which is why sometimes it becomes difficult for people who come in from outside, maybe to even adjust sometimes, like saying, Hey, I am at a certain level. Why am I supposed to do this person's job? If there is no this person's job or another person's job it's it's whatever it takes to get the ship going so if it means that i if i can design and i can help design on that front let me help you uh, if, when the crunch is there or if say for example somebody else can think of a strat or write a copy then go ahead and do that on that so there's it's while you do define each person's role it that doesn't it's not a boundary that restricts you so collab becomes i mean that synergy is just as fluid as it comes and all voices are heard.
1: So, how do you guys measure success uh, at the glitch? Is it um, the total number of clients? Is it total number of awards? Company balance sheet profits? How how do you, as entrepreneurs, uh, measure success and say that okay we are running a successful organization?
3: No, I, I was I was going to quote Bollywood all over again. So just <laughs> like my name's as Bollywood as it comes. Like we were discussing just before the podcast recording started. It's one one movie that really impacted us when we started glitch off was this film called rocket singh and that had a great dialogue in it where it said success is not number success is not this, success is people right and business log when khush hote number automatically badne lagta hai, is what the line is in the in the film but th- that somehow did stick with us for a longest time right so if you ask me what is the best way to measure success and of all the metrics you told me here, the one metric that is not mentioned here, I think that's a great way to measure it, is called happiness. So it's happiness of people who work there, happiness of the clients. Both of these put together will define everything else, right? If your if people who come to work are happy, which means they're doing great work. If your clients are happy, means business is great. End of the day the offshoot of all of this maybe that your numbers are great and but one great measure to keep everything going I think it probably would be a happiness quotient.
1: The The interesting question that I have Rohit here is do you measure this uh, happiness quotient? Is there a
3: matrix in place to measure this? So, so exactly right so the, we constantly try to make that effort to, un, to so we have so now that we've scaled, so it was, it was great when we were a 30 member team where individually we would have had relations with each of them to have a listening, right? So now we've scaled to a 300 plus member team. So now the culture of the company still continues in the same culture that we had before. So we've got a HR team, which is, uh, or a people team, which is actively talking to our team members to understand that, hey, uh, what's right? What's wrong? What is, so if, what is the level of happiness per se to be in where you are. And that gives us, so those metrics, a few of those answers tells us exactly where to concentrate on. Uh, is it, are they unhappy with the kind of work they're doing, which means that a creative, is the creative output not good enough? Or are they stressed with too much work, which means that are we taking on too much work on the listing front So th- that, that level of thing happens from people who work here. At the parallel side, we also do multiple client audits where we understand, and this is a strong question which I mean, the answer to the whole audit at the end of the day will come down to a metric of this sort, right? Which gives you that how happy is the client on a scale of one to 10 with you? And we try to maintain that aspect. So as long as you were able to balance the, so there's no point having really happy clients and very unhappy people working with uh, or having really happy people and really unhappy clients. So we need to measure that both equally and then we kind of, Put the find the balance there, Varun. Uh, in fact, I wanted to uh, take a step
1: forward and ask you that uh, you know when you uh, started off the glitch. Uh, both of you came from the creative background, but who did some of those um, probably uh, annoying activities? Uh, you know, from the perspective of the creative world, which was finance, operations, um,
2: uh, compliances. So, how, how did you divide these tasks? So, I take full credit for doing those <laughs> at this point of time. Uh, I think because I also, because I came, while I came from a creative uh, piece, my background was a lot more tele, uh, television shows, right? So, because I'd worked on the shows front. So, my exposure to logistics and core production on that front was a lot more. Um, and so, it just made sense at that point of time for me to kind of take that on. It, it was also part of something which I was anyway... Um, Operation something which I've genuinely always liked. Right? It's, it's been part of uh, something which I enjoyed doing, uh, oddly enough, and uh, so it it was something which I was very happy to kind of take on. Um, but whenever it came to a project where either one of us had to put on that creative hat or put on this hat, we would always switch that. But at a base level, I mean, uh, our designations when we started off and the uh, were actually left brain and right brain, and while Rohit was a right brain I was a left brain and in that sense, primarily because that of what roles we we occupied. Uh, what we would do is if the project demanded, let's say, if it is a long format uh, piece, which required, you know, uh, the knowledge I had from my, my time doing TV shows, um, then I would kind of take slightly more creative front over there. But uh, a large part of what we were pitching out uh, were totally from, uh, uh, I would say, Rohit's uh, uh, creative mind in that sense. And then the team that kind of came on and built out over that. So that's how we kind of balanced it out.
1: So balancing these operational tasks and and other activities, one of the uh, word, you know one of the concepts that you touched upon earlier uh, was culture uh, as as one of the most important things. So what is the glitch culture? Uh, obviously we touched upon the happiness question, but how did you cultivate this culture? how did you? Uh, sit one day and said that okay, this is the way we want to run the company, and this is the kind of culture that we want to build. How how did you arrive at uh, what is the kind of culture that you want to build?
3: Did we sit down and write down what the glitch culture should be? I don't think we did. I don't know if we still put down a. We we keep talking inter- internally and say that hey, we should put down a culture document to define it, but we've not actually. I don't think Varun and I have sat down and put this. It is uh, like as like we spoke earlier. It's been very organic, right? It is. To build a place where we would love to go and work. Come to work waltzing on a Sunday, on a Monday is what the right culture and defi- definition should be, is what we were coming to, right? So when we worked in Channel V or MTV, etc there was a certain culture we were privy to. The reason why we went to work in Channel V or MTV was that, right? Because it, 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 it was a place we looked up to and said that, hey, we want to work here. At some point in time, we happened to do a trip to google for this google invited us for something i went to the google campus and we saw people tourists coming there and clicking a picture against their logo and And so we're like dude this is the companies have formed a certain i mean it's a place where i really want to go work in so when we ever start a company it's a company the company needs to be of that sort where people want to come to work make keep them happy etc and that is the culture you want to propagate so no no form of toxicity. Uh, or, so today's key words when when somebody is drawing out a culture document saying that you know a, a, a right company should have this 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 values. It we didn't sit down and put down those values, but it. I think it came organically to us. It was just the answer to the overall thing is be be the nice person in the room. Do do the do the right thing, and that's where it was. So I don't know if we if you put it down straight uh, in words, but it's, it's still there. I think it's it, it's been passed on from batch after batch, as we call it.
2: Varun, your, your two cents to this? Uh, I mean, Rohit's I mean, kind of spelled it out really well, right, in terms of that. And uh, it's, like I said a little earlier as well, it's not something you put on a wall. It's not something you can define because end of the day, it's the people, right? I mean, it depends on and also depends on where your business evolves to. Like, you might start off being one kind of a company. And over time, as you make your pivots and, and, and as you move ahead... um you might decide to move towards another space and, and that in many ways also does affect the culture right because you can't function and it could be the smaller things could be the larger things but that obviously changes it um, and and that's something which you need to at every level be cognizant of how to balance that out and, and 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 that's really important to do so uh you can't define it forever you can have let's say um almost rules of engagement that don't change like you know you have to you have to be a decent person. You should not be, um, you know, you shouldn't be a, a nasty person to work with. You should be collaborative. You know, some of those things are pretty much sacrosanct, right? And, and that goes for, for, for anyone uh, or any company. But uh, how this evolves, uh, the rest of it is is totally dependent on, on the, and that point of time, that year, what you're doing, um, and and how you move ahead. So you
1: know, I I want to change the gears here. Uh, you know, in the conversation. And move towards something which is happening around in the industry. Uh, so, Rohit, when we uh, today talk about uh, you know the kind of content which is out there on the internet, virality is something uh, that especially in the world of advertising, it's it's caught it by uh, you know it's 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 something that everyone wants to be a part of. So, the question that I have is: Is there any formula to create viral content and? And can viral content be used across platforms? For example, if I've created something that's gone viral for me on Facebook, can can I use the same content and make it um, uh, go viral on Instagram as well, on Twitter as well?
3: What's, what's your view on this? We, we call it the dreaded V word. It's <laughs> the word viral. I mean, the only viral that works is probably it, it might be politically wrong to say it, but it's probably COVID right now. That is the kind of viral that works. But in terms of content, everybody tries to use this word viral across the board. I don't know if anybody knows what it is, right? It's it's almost like Miracoic viral campaign. Chahi. You cannot make a viral campaign. You can make a campaign. Whether the campaign goes viral or not depends on metrics that is there. But that said There is definitely science to making content which uh, can take etc. And I thought, uh, I was actually listening to Varun's last podcast where he brought Tanmay on board. And Tanmay was having this um, discussion on neuroscience and talking from a very neuroscience perspective of what kind of content works. Uh, And he he kind of compared content with release of dopamine, which I thought was a fantastic Correlation, right? So when, when somebody asks, how do you make viral content? It's basically, what is a viral content? It's content that you want to share, right? So it, uh, the more people who share it, the more viral it becomes. And that's what it is. So if you make good content, it, people will end up sharing it. And that's what it is. Uh, can you define, is, is there a structure to making good content or making viral content? I don't think there is. Uh, I, anybody can put down a formula to it because the day you can put a formula to it or the day you can put a pattern to this is the day uh, AI can take that over, right? So no, AI can't write content on that front because of this. So I i don't know if there is a viral content formula. It is just make good content. Nine out of 10 times, if you make good content, people will start sharing it, 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 if, it if they resonate with it. If they, uh if they understand it kind of relates to them etc and when people share it it's that's how it becomes viral so th- we we dread that word though the word viral just f-i-n yeah like you said it, it should add value it should be effective right and it,
2: i think effective and efficient are two words which i which i personally prefer over the word viral because i'm saying first of all why are you creating a piece of content you're creating a piece of content for specific reasons to kind of uh, connect with a specific audience um, and to get a specific result, I mean, if you have those three things in place, um, and you create bases that and you plan things out smartly, not just the content you create, but like, you know, how are you using media smartly around it? How are you? Uh, what platforms are you deploying it on? What is that strategy? All those things contribute to it. Um, I mean, at the base level, you make a great piece of content in most cases, if you have some of the other ones being a little, uh, you know, le- lesser, you will still be able to manage to get traction on it. But uh, it's important to look at all those aspects and uh, so in, in 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 most cases if you make effective and efficient content it will it will it will get you great results um, then trying to get, you know, the, the dreaded word viral because, uh, viral in many cases also makes it seem like it's something you can get for free, right? You can, you create a piece of content, you don't have to do anything else, it'll, it'll, it'll do well. Um, and that's a risk, right? And, and most cases, you shouldn't necessarily take that risk. You, you should actually plan out everything and map out everything else as well. And that's what, I mean, increases your chance of success in that, in that, uh, sense of the word.
1: So, Varun, on another, uh, buzzword, uh, that's often used in content marketing as well as, uh in in communication today is is that of influencer marketing and connecting the right influencers to combine your brand identity uh with theirs is essentially uh to run a successful marketing campaign so what do you think are uh some of the biggest challenges that brands are facing in influencer marketing industry specifically
2: if i just have to take a a, a step back on it right it's when you look at influencer marketing, what you should not treat it as is is just another media vehicle where you can cut, copy, paste something that you've uh you know you just want out there with using it you know, with influencers because um that doesn't get you the kind of results which you should get. Um the idea is to pick the right kind of influencers, not just from their following, etc., but to pick um the right kind who work for your brand, that who will who will whose content resonates with your brand and then working with them to create that. I mean I I think we've seen the most um, effective pieces coming out of working with people who connect with your brand, but also who you are letting them create it in their natural format in which they create it, and and in, the, in, in it almost it syncs with something which they would normally do, um, and that helps the spread get wider. Uh, many times when this actually doesn't when it doesn't work out on influencer marketing, the challenge happens is when you treat it like you're creating an ad, but you're placing it on um, you know an influencer's channel, and that's where I think uh, uh, many marketers have uh, faced issues. But I feel that they've adapted to that far better now than they were, let's say, even like, like what a couple of years ago. I think everyone's sort kind of understood this is the right way to use it. You will still have the cut copy paste thing happening from time to time. Uh, but I think a large number of uh, marketers have evolved to that thought process. Interesting. So, uh, you know,
1: every year uh, in, in, in the world of marketing and communication, uh, because design is something which is which is also running parallelly to uh, uh, to the world of marketing and communication... There're new new design trends that keep uh, emerging, and and most of them come from the previous year's uh, hard work or labor that we've invested in. So some trends uh, would land up delighting us, some would inspire us, uh, some would make our eyes also ache. Uh, my question to both of you is: which is this one such a uh, design trend that has inspired you in 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 the recent time?
3: Like you rightly said, right? Design trends. I mean. Trends come and go. Every every year, like Pantone will release the color of the year and things like that. The one, the very few stick and are here to stay. One very interesting trend that has been here for a while and I don't think it's going anywhere is I think almost called the death of static, right? It's everything has become motion because the thing is everything has moved to screens. People are, the the static piece of design is kind of slowly dying at some point. And it, I was talking to one of these startups uh, recently where they were showing me their entire branding that they were trying to bring in and the, the logo that they had. So earlier you would, everybody would have a logo and then they would have like a, the black and white version of the logo and this thing, the here, it was all about the motion of the logo, right? So it, it their conversation started with motion. So everything involves so if you look at websites today i don't see a single static website anymore every imagery ui ux everything has moved into there is some form of motion it could either be a video background it could either be an animated uh so a a pure logo is no longer a static logo there's a whole formation of that so i that's is that a trend i don't know if that's a trend but it's something that happened a couple of years ago but it's fully picked up right now so i have i don't know the last time i saw something static so even if you go to behance where all the designers put up their portfolios the first page which shows you trending everything is moving in that screen so suddenly i think if you look at it from that lens it's uh, i think motion to everything is where it is so you ask me one trend that that i am appreciative of and i'm glad it's here is the fact that it's uh, uh, there's motion okay and varun your
1: uh, your choice of something that has inspired you
2: so so i am uh and i will admit this because i have always had terrible design sensibilities uh on that front so uh i have always turned to Rohit for a point of view on those but uh, i agree with him entirely on the motion front right i think that um that i i see a merging of of design and post-production uh, as two worlds in that sense right is that the design sensibilities are flowing through towards everything from motion graphics and editing and, and animation, etc., and backwards. And and while they've always were part of one thing, the way traditionally the industry functioned was put them into different silos. And I think that's really that's breeding a whole new uh, kind of of creatives. That right? people who are dealing with so many dynamic aspects of things and that and they're taking that into different sides of things i mean if you look at this fact that there could be a designer or an animator who's just sitting um, and working on some creator but decides to kind of use those to kind of create something which is in ar tomorrow or through through a filter or a lens that they're creating um all those things are really exciting because people are using these in really interesting and new ways um and the opportunity now to kind of scale uh design thought process across everything and not just keep it siloed to to a few things which is which which i noticed very early on was a thing when we were um uh, you know when we were starting off uh, isn't there it, it's across the board i mean um, and also that tools are a lot uh, better to use right i mean you you're using tools to make your presentations a lot more dynamic you're making them a lot uh, more design friendly um and and you And so it's not connecting every single touch point that that uh, every kind of creative company has to do.
1: So uh, we've seen some of uh, the campaigns that the glitches come up with, uh, which is uh, one of them is Mentos of uh, Farak Padega or Lakme Makeup Pro app uh, uh, that you've created. One of the interesting thing that we've seen blending here is the world of design and technology. So how did that collaboration
3: take place? Rohit, would you want to take that? Well, the future of design is, uh, uh, like he was talking about motion, the future of design is also code, right? So understanding of tech is very, very uh, crucial today because uh, it's great to have a great uh, tech platform at the back of it, but knowing how to use it, that UX, UI, etc. plays an equally important role. So till your front end, etc. is not in the right place, your back end doesn't work. So... I think that collab of design and tech is absolutely crucial on that front. But that said, when we, we, uh, as an agency, end of the day, whatever is done, we are a, we're storytellers, right? We tell stories. So we, whatever a brand needs to communicate, what is the right way to tell that story for the brand? So sometimes it's a video, which becomes a very easy form to tell a story, but sometimes it also it involves a lot of tech innovation that can land, uh, proposition so the what people miss out on and especially for students who are listening right want to get into advertising i i meet a bunch of them who come to me and say you know i i've written a bunch of ads so i want to it's it's great to write ads and think that that is what advertising is advertising has actual science to it there is there is a team that's thinking of planning research insights and then somebody that's taking the insight and converting it into a creative concept and then the idea etc so all our tech innovations that you see is is part of a large insight that has come in and there is a story being said to it uh it, and it's part of the larger storytelling process like the lakme makeup pro app comes from a insight which said that in india people do not buy makeup till they don't try it so they need you need for somebody to buy makeup uh, for the longest time lakme was being sold only on stores and not on ecom and could makeup we bought online was the big question. The only way they could bought it is if they had, if they could try it on. And the answer to making people try makeup online needed a tech piece to it. So that's where the whole building of this app came in. If you look at any piece of campaign that is there, uh, where we've involved tech in it, tech is integral to the storytelling process. It's not like we've done something for the sake of it, right? It, It sits in the larger thing and it stems from a deep consumer insight, and and that's where it kind of comes out from.
1: So in fact, one of the trends, uh, uh, Varun, that the world is uh, speaking about is the voice assistance and the voice commerce, which is out there. Uh, in fact, at hmm. Avantika University, we coined this term design hearing, which which talks about blending of design and engineering, because we see that there are immense uh, possibility of collaboration between these two fields. The, the question that while uh, Rohit mentioned about radio advertisement, uh, I want to know that uh, will the uh, conversations, the the marketing communication uh, through these voice assistants be very similar to radio ads? Or, or do you think it's going to open up a whole new
2: spectrum? So, uh, you know, if you look at... If you think about radio, if you think about television, right? Uh, those are primarily one-sided uh, mediums in the sense that you know you would have you would put something out there, consumer would consume it, and that's where the journey kind of ended. Um, everything now, after that, if you look at everything that is that has digital as its backbone, um, has it? It's almost a two-way uh, piece. So uh, while it will take a lot of elements and learnings, and some of the foundations of how you create will end up coming from, um, you know. Uh, from what has traditionally been there the evolution will really be is to how 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 can you kind of take that entire consumer journey ahead right because think of voice assistant you ask one question in most cases you will have a follow-up right which means it's almost like how is it responding um to each and every query in different ways and how is it adding more and more to that and the the, the whole point of uh, of of making uh, voice intelligent is that is that it, it's responsive to each and every query and every sub query in that sense um same thing kind of goes for everything around voice right i mean you talk about podcasts you talk about everything else um there is a genuine sense of of understanding from the data so even a podcast even though it's not a two-way thing you are learning from it episode by episode because of a what your data is telling you uh what your attention rates are what your listening rates are when, when is attention kind of uh, dropping for people etc uh what age group of people listen to it all those learnings kind of add into how you kind of do your content. And I think it's a lot cleaner, but especially when it comes to voice, now it's actually about at that moment, what is the most intelligent response you can give? And to to map that entire thing out, make sure all of it is pre-recorded and put in place and kind of build it out from there. I think that's really uh, where the difference really lies. Rohit, any
3: views on this? Voice is, so from voice perspective, I look at it, It's done two things, right? One is uh, all the voice assistant pieces that we were talking about. Two is that uh, if you look at, I think uh, uh, Google has now started understanding Hindi as well, right? So how how that is going to impact and regional languages that are going to step in and how that's going to also impact is going to be a big thing. Like I'll give you an example of how voice really plays a role and I've seen it being actively used. My driver sends me voice notes. For the longest time, he used to, so I, he would just send me saying, Dadi pe etc., etc. earlier, he would have to make that phone call to me because he didn't, he, he has, he doesn't know to uh, read and write, so he doesn't know to type. So he's using voice for a whole different reason. Now, the same person yesterday, because he couldn't read and write, had only limited access to seeing what he could see. Now, with voice, he's able to explore the internet all over again, right? He's able, able to say, give his command out and Uh, get the response in return that is a whole new market for us as an advertiser when you're looking at when, so for me if i if if we are advertising to india and advertising to bharat as we call it right So when you look at bharat and if if voice can trigger a bunch of things how do i now work closely and build content accordingly for them so when i search with voice what is the content that throws up at them, etc. So the, it, it is a whole new avenue, and that the canvas there is huge to play with, and especially in the region, regional segment, and uh, with our country and the number of voices. Uh, 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 sorry, the number of languages that exist, etc. There is voice is definitely a big play for us.
1: Super. So from your journey to your organisation to what's happening in the industry. Let's get the focus uh, back on both of you. And uh, since this is a special episode uh, for Friendships Day, we thought that we'll uh, do a friendship test, uh, uh, you know, with with both of you. So there are a set of questions that I have for Varun and then there are a set of questions that I have for Rohit. And uh, let's see, uh, you know, how well uh, do, you, do you guys know each other? Uh, I'm... I'm Sure that you know you've spent nearly a decade and a half together but but let's ask you some quirky questions so are you guys ready varun should we start with you done, done. go for it okay great um so varun
2: uh, which is rohit's favorite workspace in office fair workspace in office yeah i mean i can't talk about the office right now because it's, it's from his home but um <laughs> i think his favorite workspace is actually in his uh, in his cabin like I, I know that he really enjoys that that space a lot, so that would be my my response to that. Okay, and any
1: lame excuse uh, that Rohit keeps giving, according to you, or has ever given,
2: lame excuse that he's given. So Rohit's actually, I, I so I think of what excuses he would have given. He would. I don't think he's actually. I very rarely remember Rohit giving excuses. That's actually the first time was, someone actually asked me this. Um, <laughs> his excuse might be that he overslept at max, but I've not seen him give anything. It's actually wider than that. I'm actually I'm actually going to wait to see what he says about this. But yeah, so that would pretty much be my response. (laughs) Okay, and um, an embarrassing thing that Rohit has
1: probably done at work. Any anything that you remember?
2: I think Rohit unfortunately finds himself at some point asking a question to someone, uh, which kind of uh, ends up becoming something which he then later feels like, oh, I should not have asked that question. Uh, But I think that's gotten lesser and lesser over the years. But I would say that's really what the embarrassing point of
1: question that enough. could be
3: a podcast in itself probably.
2: yeah <laughs> that's
1: an entire like episode
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay and um, anything varun that you think
2: rohit can bitch about for for probably an hour that's an that's an entire podcast series as well but um, <laughs> if so he, uh, about the the temperature about the temperature i think for rohit if he, he, he i think he was unfortunately born in a country which has the kind of temperatures that we do um he prefers like i would say uh, minus two degrees at any point of time in terms of what his preference of of temperature is so unfortunately a uh being malayali then living in hyderabad then Pune, then bombay he's never had the the luck of being in a place that's even close to that temperature (laughs) okay and um
1: uh, I'm I'm not too sure whether Rohit uh, wears formals at office, but assuming that um, he wears uh, formal's, uh, what what what
2: would be uh, if if not that what would be his dress code at work? So when we started off, so I just take a step back. Rohit and I used to only go to work in shorts when we were in Channel V and in MTV. Uh, even when we were forced to wear pants in in Channel V, we were a few people who revolted against wearing pants, and said we'll come to work in shorts only. That stayed with us for years. You know, we started Glitch as well till somebody said we're gonna give you a, a ton of money to do a project at least wear pants. And I think that's for the first time when we actually started wearing pants to work. And uh, now he would just—I mean, Ro- Rohit comes quite uh, relaxed. Right? He he he'll wear a a, a pair of uh, what I think they're called chinos. So they're wearing chinos and. Like a, a chill shirt and some sneakers. That's pretty much what he comes off office in.
1: Okay, and the last one. A prank uh, that Rohit has pulled on, uh, on on anyone at the office. Would you want to share any prank that he pulled off?
2: So there was a period of time, and I think that was in the early days of Glitch, where anybody who would leave um, their... And this is not just he would do, we would all do it. Anybody in the office who ever left their computer unlocked uh would would either have something posted as their social media status or profile picture changed to something really bizarre um or an email sent from them to somebody else with something really weird so i think that stayed for many many years uh, till i think we crossed till i think we even crossed till about 75 80 people i think that was always there but i think post that it kind of faded away
1: okay interesting great uh rohit sir, let's let's ask you some questions about varun so, Rohit, the sure. uh,
3: one thing that Varun cannot live without in office—a screen. Varun's a screenaholic. He is he 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 just goes from a phone to an iPad to an iWatch to the big screen. Like he he just literally lives on screen. But actually, now that now that you ask me that question, maybe the answer to this is uh, headphones. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> between all of this. It's he, I think Varun has the largest collection of headphones that any normal human being should not even have. So, and he's okay. always plugged into that. So, I don't think he's he's ever heard people's voices really. He's only heard them through headphones. Okay. And a sitcom
1: that uh, Varun can binge watch uh, with the whole staff.
3: One, I don't know if it's a sitcom, but when we started Glitch, somebody introduced us. So, this is the first month or so of us starting Glitch. Somebody introduced us to the show called Entourage. And mm. Varun, me, and the, this, uh, Prashant, who introduced us to this, uh, who's, who was our first ever employee at Glitch and who's still with us. He's the creative director in Bombay, etc. He was, all three of us sat and watched all eight seasons over two days or three days. No work happened. We just binged through Entourage end to end. So yeah, I mean, that, that's, if you ask me, I don't know if it's a sitcom, but that's a memory I have of Varun binging
1: through one. That's that's exciting. And what is an ideal surprise party for
3: Varun? What what would it look like? Man, I've seen Varun through multiple stages of his life, right? I've seen Varun through being that rager of an animal who would just be like, "Today Monday, club jana, Tuesday, today club <laughs> to uh being today where Varun refuses to leave the five-three pin code that we live in. <laughs> right now, though, so after quarantine, he definitely so to go even like. Leave the building, I think. Yeah, Some I don't know. That. <laughs> so if you ask me what's a surprise uh, party uh, for him, well, yeah, it's, it's a difficult question to answer. I think any party that has all, his, all the right people in it, right? he loves conversations, the right set of people who are there uh, in that party is a sup- good surprise party for him, which is basically, which will have Leah, his daughter there, Pooja alongside and a bunch of Six of us close friends, what we took away from Simbi, that that it put all of us together in one room and that becomes like a rager at any given point. And um, if, if uh,
1: you know, Varun could swap positions with anyone in the office,
3: with whom would he do that? I don't know. I think he's extremely happy doing what he's doing. Like, Varun can sometimes get annoyingly happy. You know how we were talking about how come to Monday... Uh, come to work on a Monday waltzing uh, as a theory that we were writing there there are times when Pooja and I are like yaar, it's Monday to to go to work. Varun's the only one who's excited like every yeah it's Monday tomorrow on a Sunday so he's, he's that guy so I don't know if he he want to I mean I don't think he wants to swap his position with anybody else he's, he's extremely happy doing what he's doing I'm too wired for my support. own group. Yeah, unless we start a <laughs> podcast division and Varun would definitely want to be uh Chief podcast officer.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. And a strange thing, uh, Rohit, you've seen
3: Varun doing. That's an entire podcast. Another podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one, one peculiar one. Like I was say, telling you about screens, right? How Varun's addicted to screens. And yeah. he, he has the innate ability to zone out in the middle of a conversation into his screen, find something altogether, which is entertaining for him. And make sure that he revolves the conversation into that screen all over again. So it's like three of us will be sitting in a place and talking about something important. Varun thinks it's not important. He's zoned out. He's gone. He's found some video on Instagram. He comes into this important conversation. Hey, have you seen this video? And he'll just put that right in front of you. So yeah, he's he's quite capable of doing that. Yeah, I
2: I can zone out in the middle of anything. Like, I, I, yeah, you put me in any space in the world and I can be present, but mentally not present.
1: Okay, and the last one, uh, Rohit, um, a character from a movie or series that Varun relates to the most. Character
3: from a movie or series? I mean, a person that Varun would relate to the most is probably Scott Galloway. (laughs) (laughs) to be. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> between Gary Vaynerchuk and Scott Galloway, Varun's, Varun's that intersection of the Advent Diagram between the two. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: super. Thank you so much, Rohit and Varun, for inspiring us. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm sure that there are a bunch of our listeners who would uh, know, get inspired by your story, your journey. And uh, yeah, we hope that in due course of time, we can see most successful organizations like Glitch started by friends and um, something where the measurement of success is the happiness quotient at work. So thank you so much for inspiring us
3: and doing this. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate avantika.edu.in. We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hub Hopper, or wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in with us on our journey and don't forget to share it with your friends.